The views expressed in our Chop Talk podcast are those of the individual participants only and do not necessarily express the views of the Lambda Chi Alpha fraternity or its chapters or members. Our Chop Talk podcasts are intended to be as open and honest with our members as possible, but we acknowledge that certain topics may be sensitive, graphic, or emotionally challenging. Please use your own discretion to avoid any material that you may find potentially painful or difficult. Hey, Taylor. Hey, Mike. How are you? I'm doing good. How about you? Can't complain. Have you noticed how busy we've been around headquarters lately? You know, I have. I feel like we have just been in meetings all day, every day. Honestly, and I I think the big thing that we've talked about recently is the High Alpha Summit. Yeah, I think you're completely right. Yeah, and so with the talk about High Alpha Summit, it really got me thinking about Greek life and and not just my experience as an undergraduate, but um, things that I experience on a day-to-day basis working here at headquarters. Yeah, that's interesting. Can you expand on that? Sure. One of the big topics that I've been pondering on is really why do we do what we do? Is Greek life really relevant anymore to today's college student? Um, And and really, what does it mean to be a Lambda Chi and a Lambda Chi in this current climate of Greek life? Yeah, I think that's a super interesting topic. And I feel like we should dig a little bit deeper into it. You want to? Let's do it. Hello and welcome back to Chop Talk Podcast. I am your host, Taylor Grayson, and I am joined as always by my co-host, Michael Cover. Hello. And our assistant to the executive producer, Jaron Wilt. How we doing? <laughs> and today we are joined by COO Justin Fisher and Director of Chapter Services, Chris Paquette. Happy to be here. Yeah, thanks for having us. <laughs> yeah, of course. Okay, so as we mentioned before, um, we are going to talk about is Greek life and fraternity still relevant in today's uh, climate and Greek culture? So I think that's a really big topic. So I think we should just you know, jump hop right in, in jump in. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I guess, Taylor, the first question I have for, let's say, the whole panel, if you will, is really what makes Greek life still relevant? Like mm. if you had to, from your undergraduate experience, uh, Chris and Justin, what was relevant about Greek life to you? That's a good question. So I think for my personal story, um, I went to school out of state. I knew no one uh, where I went to school. And so it helped build like a community. It was a family away from home. Um, There's a huge support system. So uh, for me, that part uh, was relevant and is relevant. Um, but I also think when we, when we ask that question, is fraternity still relevant? You know, in my mind, it's two separate questions. So is fraternity relevant in its current state mm-hmm. and is fraternity relevant in what it's ideally supposed to be? Okay. Can you expand on that a little bit? So what would you, what would you want to see Greek life doing and, and what do you think it does? You know, I think we have so many, um, you know, we have the values, we have it, Greek fraternity and sorority life is just very complicated, I think, at times. So for an mm-hmm. outsider, it's very hard to understand. Um, and so when people ask me, what does it mean to be a Lambda Chi? Um, I simplify it by saying it's it's teaching men to do the right thing no matter what. That sure. we're going to uh, educate men, we're going to give them experiences so that they are going to be able to make uh, ethically and morally uh, right decisions, uh, whenever they come across them in their lives. Um, and so I think in an idealistic world, right, if we are doing fraternity and Lambda Chi Alpha the appropriate way, Mm -hmm. um, we are accomplishing that mission. Um, but I think so much of what we see right now is it's diluted down into this least common denominator. Um, and from my experiences of visiting chapters and, and just seeing different campuses across the country, 
uh, where it's just more based upon social and we're just hanging out. And our shared experience is not that uh, we're a brotherhood and we are committed to making each other better, but our shared experience is we get drunk together, you know, Thursday through Saturday and yeah. that's about it. Definitely. Chris, I, guess, I guess kind of, I, I have to kind of chime in on this one. Um, <laughs> just talking about the relevancy of Greek life and, and what you just said, Justin, uh, I think my frustrations uh, of some of these come when people say they live by a set of core values or they, they live by a ritual and, and all of these things. Um, my struggle is, and, and I think anyone can tell you that a fraternity or sorority ritual have nothing to do with consuming copious amounts of alcohol or hazing members or doing any of these things. And my frustration is, uh, even when I traveled as a consultant and now as a still uh, HQ staff member, is that you see the Monday through Thursday people quote unquote, live by their values and live by their ritual. And then on the weekends, they forget it. And right. then they start doing all these stupid things. And then when there's repercussions for it, they're confused on why. And I think the frustration to me is like, you are exemplifying everything that's not fraternity, not Greek life, not an ideal individual to society at all. But you expect to be uh, respected and looked up upon it in like all of these different things. And I think my struggle is just I don't blame the media for taking some of the, the things that we do um, and, and exposing it because I, I think we should be held to a higher standard. We say that we are. I, I think we need to be taken to by our word and we should be doing that. Right. Yeah. Yeah, totally agree. Um, and, you know, I think that in today's college climate, um, we have, you know, Generation uh, Z you know, Gen Z, and they are looking for all of these connections and how can this organization benefit me? What do I get out of this organization? So I guess my next question can, should be, you know, um, do you think that you can find that connection from a fraternity or a sorority somewhere else? You know, I think that's the big question that they have these days. Yeah. And I think it's a challenge for us as fraternity and sororities that right. what, how can we show that this experience will help you with those connections right. and relationships and things that are actually going to benefit you in the long run. Um, Cause obviously there's the framework for that to exist, but unfortunately in a lot of our organizations, that's not necessarily the focus. Sure. And it does come down to more social based things. That's really what a lot of members define their experience by. So I think the big question that we have to ask ourselves just as a field and as an organization is what is our priority? What right. is our focus? And, you know, decide that, to figure out our, how we go and move forward to answer that question. Cause mm -hmm. I, I mean, and this is just in general, not Lambda Chi Alpha, but if fraternity is meant to be a social organization and that is our focus, then why are we continuing to say we're about values and we're about sure. traditions and we're about accountability when really it's not showing that way. Yeah. But definitely. it's, it's about saying what we're truly about. And I think right now that's the big disconnect is, there's, that's not clear. What we're saying is not actually what we're doing. Yeah, definitely. So I guess, you know, going off of that, what's to say that, you know, in the future we don't turn into a leadership organization versus, you know, a social fraternity. I mean, I don't, I don't think there is any, I mean, currently when we do expansion projects and we start new chapters, we brand ourselves as a men's leadership organization. Yeah, so we're definitely. not, um, and we, intentionally avoid, you know, fraternity because, uh, I think there's a lot of negative connotation around fraternity, mm -hmm. obviously with everything that's been happening, um, in the past 
decade or so, I mean, there's been a lot of bad things that fraternities are responsible for. Right. And so um, I think we meet some great men that uh, aspire to do great things and they they want to contribute back to society. And so we don't want their negative stereotypes to get in the way of them potentially having a great experience. Um, but because we are a fraternity, that's something we have to avoid in that conversation just to even, you know, get the conversation started. Right. Um, I think, you know, fraternity as a brand right now is really damaged. Um, the fact that fraternities keep killing people is uh, inexcusable. I mean, it's mm -hmm. just, there's no argument to that as far as like, oh, but, you know, there is no but we do this to that that question. Um, you know, Chris and I just attended a, a, the AFA, Association of Fraternity Sorority Advisors, yeah. annual meeting. And one of the panels were uh, three, parent, three sets of parents um, of their sons passed away due to um, either hazing directly or indirectly uh, from their fraternal experience. And right. um, I don't know, I, I don't know how Chris, you felt about it, but like just hearing their story and just hearing um, their experience and how they were told by the doctor and how, you know, um, their lives have been ruined. And it was, uh, it was heartbreaking to hear as far as just to, Imagine I couldn't imagine my parents having to go through that and right. just having to sit there and understand that like, oh, this this was a tragic accident, but like this was something that completely could have been avoided mm -hmm. um, and that people blatantly chose at several different points in this timeline not to do the right thing right. and not to seek out help. Um, and I think it's very hard for outsiders to understand. You claim that you are about building brotherhood and that you want to form this great bond and you want to make men better men. Yet this is how you treat people who are aspiring to join your organization. Mm -hmm. And like, this is how you teach them what that means. Um, and it just, I think from a, a logical standpoint, you just can't, I can't wrap my hand, head around how, how that works. Well, yeah. I mean, I think that's a great point of, you know, these organizations, including us preach, you know, this is a brotherhood. We're going to be there for you. We're going to support you, but then turn around and do something horrible like this. So, you know, I guess what, what does that mean to be a brother? Yeah. And I, I, I guess I, I was just thinking about what everyone's saying and it, the frustration to me is, would you make your own brother drink copious amounts of alcohol mm -hmm. and then not take him to the hospital, not take care of him, not do the proper procedures or steps right. to save his life. And you would let him die. So you would go home to your parents and say, yeah, I did all these things and let him die. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the fr frustrating thing. And then the argument comes up of like, well, the college and fraternity should be this kind of like test ground and people should learn how to be a proper individual and things like that. But you should not get a pass on murder if you're you're on a college campus, that is no. There's still no excuse right. to do some of the things that, unfortunately, fraternities are being uh, accused of and, and and are doing. And, and so I think that's the struggle. Yeah, and I think that goes back to you know the word fraternity, as Justin said, has a really negative connotation now because you know the media, rightfully so, latch on to all of those stories about these awful things happening on college campuses. Um, and I don't know. I guess where where do we go from there? I think that's a great question. I really do. I, <laughs> yeah. I, I think, and, and that's the, the million dollar question is because you have these groups that have been open for uh, excess of a hundred years doing the same thing over and over again. And, and right. I think right now is going to be a huge climate shift. If you don't change the way you're operating, 
um, and the way that you market yourself, you will fail yeah. as an organization. And I think we're starting to see that happen. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And I would definitely say this is something that um, we as a staff and the Grand Isaida as our board of directors are also discussing as far as the future and direction of Lambda Chi Alpha and where do we go and how do we stay relevant? How do we market to this to Gen Z as they come to school and um, make it so they want to have be a part of this experience right. instead of something they kind of um, shy away from? And I think one of the issues or one of the things that we are wrestling with is I think we as an organization can make a lot of changes and we can change mm -hmm. our direction. We can change what we're about. We can change who we seek out for membership. Um, and that, that I think will benefit us extremely as an organization. Yeah. But the other, I guess the, the other side of the coin to this is that we, as long as we are a fraternity, we will always be tied to other fraternities. Right. Um, perfect example. My, neither one of my parents went to college. They do not know that I'm in Lambda Chi Alpha. They know I'm in a fraternity. Uh, they know I work for a fraternity, the one, the same fraternity that I was in in college. But if you right. ask them to name which fraternity I'm in, I guarantee they would get it wrong. <laughs> um, and I think for a lot of people who are not, you know, intimately involved, that's their experience is like, well, Definitely. I don't know, there's just some letters up there, but they're, I know they're a fraternity. Right. Um, but what does that mean? And so as long as some of our peer groups continue, you know, we're, we'll always be tied with them. And so right. if we are not a hundred percent certain that they are all willing and able to make some of these changes with us, I don't, just don't know how far we can progress as a group. Yeah, for sure. I think that there, you know, definitely needs to be some sort of change going forward. Um, but I guess on the flip side, uh, since we've kind of been focusing on the negatives, um, let's focus on some of the positives, you know, like, like you were saying, um, you know, the connections and, and the support you got from your brothers. Um, I was reading and I found this one statistic that 85% of executives of Fortune 500 companies are members of Greek organizations. So I think that speaks a lot to, you know, the connections you make and, and the lifelong connections you, um, you have as, as a fraternity member or a sorority member. Mm -hmm. So what are your guys' thoughts on that? So one thing I think that is important to know is a lot of members do have a very positive experience sure. in, in a fraternity or sorority. Right. Um, you know, we think about a lot of these negative things, but rarely is that an entire group initiating and executing all of that negative behavior. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I think a lot about the leaders within our chapters, and those are the people that I would assume in the future are going to be those executives, the ones who are holding leadership positions, being able to work with an organization very young, being responsible for a group and having to communicate and organize and execute different things. Yeah, definitely. Uh, those, that experience that you get by taking on a leadership role or being somebody who is focusing on that are the people that are getting the right experience. Um, I think, however, though, Justin keeps bringing this up, like the least common denominator factor right. is what, you know, causes us to focus a lot of times on the negatives, but the stories you don't, you very rarely, if never hear about are the guys or the individuals who had a great experience, learned a lot from the different things that they were involved in within the organization and yeah. took that and applied it to their life after the fact. Sure. Um, so yes, I'm not surprised by that statistic because I think all of us in this room have had a very similar experience. Yeah. Um, and there's other people out there, but then you come across, is this something I want to share my fraternal experience knowing that I am tied to 
the negatives, the least common denominator. Same thing Justin was talking about at an organizational level mm -hmm. comes back to an individual level. In yeah. My no, yeah. I, th I think that's a great point. Yeah. And I guess let's go around the table real quick. If you had a name, what you think is the largest volunteer organization in the United States, what would you say? Ooh, the largest or volunteer? Um, I don't know. I'm blanking. Come back to me. Okay. Chris, <laughs> what do you think? Um, if you had to name one volunteer organization. Yeah, maybe, you know, I think a lot about, uh, Red Cross, you know? Okay. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. What do you think, Justin? That was going to be mine. Do you know the answer to this? Yes. <laughs> okay, cool. I'm just going to make sure we're not like, yes. <laughs> we're not just guessing. <laughs> um, I will go with, uh, United Way. So statistically, mm -hmm. the largest volunteer organization in the United States is the Greek system with over 10 million service hours a year, oh. $7 million raised per year. It's a tricky question. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of figured it would tie right back into what we were yeah. talking about. Yeah. And, and so looking at those statistics, yeah, we do a lot of great things as fraternity and sorority um, individuals across the board. We do. And, and some of the news reports you hear are the very, very minor, th like I wouldn't call them minor things, but they don't happen as often as all the positive things we're doing, but we do a really, really poor job at promoting the positive things. Yes, I agree. Well, you know, as speaking from personal experience as, you know, the person who writes the stories mm -hmm. for Lambda Chi Alpha, um, I just think that, you know, I'm always looking for those stories of good things, but rarely do I see in my little Google news alerts, the good things, because yeah. it's, it's all the negative things. So yeah. I think that goes back to your point of, you know, our chapters and men are doing really great things, but it's just a matter of kind of breaking through and getting, you know, getting recognized for those things. Well, and one side note, I think that Michael brought this up earlier. We as Lambda Chi Alphas, <clears throat> excuse me, we hold ourselves to a higher standard. Yes. We say we'll, we will be better. So when we live up to that, it should not be a surprise and it should not be something that we are constantly rewarded for. Right. Because we already are saying we're going to do that. Right. Yeah, and so, so I think definitely. it's important. And I'm not saying there's no recognition needed. There are some amazing things that we do need to recognize, but also everyone, I think as a fraternity member, you need to realize that the media isn't out to get you. You said you were going to be better. So when you fail to meet that expectation, that is what is going to be addressed. And uh, you yeah. know, I mean, I think seeing both sides of the story that way makes it, you know, I hear a lot of times, oh, you know, the media is out to get us, the university is out to get us, right. but you know, we already say that we're going to be better. So when we don't, that's when we need to really assess, like, is that something that we're victims of or we actually cause that? Yeah, for sure. So I think that, um, you know, the second part of this conversation is really what does it mean to be a Lambda Chi Alpha in 2018? That's a, it's a, it's a, it's a heavy question. Yeah. And I, I guess I'll first go off and say, ba based on the comments and, and, and things that we've already talked about is that we at the international headquarters are not trying to, to be the, the fun suckers of fraternity. Like that is not what we strive to do. That's, that's not what we want to do right. as um, kind of the, the leaders of this organization. Uh, what, and Chris just said this too, is what we really want to do is hold our men to a very high standard that they have already said that they want to be held to. Um, and when they're not, we want to hold them accountable and, and show them 
what is not correct about what they're doing and how to be that better individual in society. Right. Um, so we're not telling you, you can't do these things in college and you can't live a college life. That I think that's part of, of being a, a fraternity man in general is that you, you do live um, a lot of these different aspects of being in a fraternity, but like we're telling you how to do it properly and, and how to, to be a respectable individual once you graduate from college and move on. Cause I guarantee you most of those C- CEOs and fortune 500 um, executives are living that life, understood what they shouldn't be doing as an individual. And, and they learned all that in college. And so like those men moved on to do bigger and better things because of the experiences that they've had. Right. Yeah. I, I definitely agree with that. I think that, you know, what we're trying to do is give these men kind of like a roadmap for their lives and, and tell them, okay, you know, you can exit here if you want, but this is the course we want you to take. And this will get you to, to where you need to go basically. Definitely. Yeah. And I think one of the greatest things about Lambda Chi Alpha is that they're across our 190 plus chapters in North America. Um, you know, we have the same ritual, same values, uh, and yet the experience can look different from chapter to chapter, school to school. Um, I think, you know, one of the things that I am most proud about is that we do not ask people to conform to us, that like Mm -hmm. we seek out people who have uh, these innate values and that are going to willing to stand and and do the right thing. Um, But your interests, what you like to do, what you do in your free time, you know, um, is completely up to you. And so I think, mm-hmm. you know, we still maintain an individual identity uh, while subscribing to these values and uh, attainments. And so that's, I think, the thing that is most impressive for me about Lambda Chi Alpha is that we have so many different people that come together and say, we believe right. in the same thing. Um, and I think, you know, I think brother said, uh, there's nothing quite like when like-minded individuals come together. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that's what Lambda Chi Alpha embodies. Uh, as far as Lambda Chi Alpha, what does Lambda Chi Alpha look like in 2018? Or what does a member of Lambda Chi Alpha look like in 2018? Uh, I think it varies. Because I do think, you know, I know we spent a large majority of the beginning of this talking about kind of the negative things and things that we aren't doing well. Uh, but I also think there are a lot of men, a lot of brothers out there who are doing great things yeah. in the community um, on their campuses. Um, and are actively trying to like fight this negative stereotype and negative connotation that comes to fraternity. Um, so I think we also should acknowledge that they're out there as well. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. You know, I was, um, last week I was actually talking to uh, a member from the University of Nevada, Reno, and he was saying that they um, set up a fundraiser for the California wildfire uh, relief efforts. And it just, it amazed me because no one told them they needed to do this. No one said, Hey, you need to get however many hours. Uh, they just, they did it because I think that they realized, Hey, as a Lambda Chi Alpha member, it is my duty to give back to, you know, not only my community, but other communities surrounding. So I just, I think that goes to show kind of what you were talking about, how, you know, it's, it's very, it can, it can vary, um, from chapter to chapter and man to man, but across the board, you know, we stand for the same, same values. Definitely. And I think that, excuse me, I think the Reno thing was a great example of a chapter coming together, um, and using the means that they have to, to help others. Um, but you were just actually doing a story about an individual from, uh, the Vanderbilt chapter. Am I correct? 
Uh, Memphis. Memphis. Yes. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So um, our member from Memphis, he is super involved with um, St. Jude Children's mm-hmm. Research Hospital. Um, and, you know, he does have a personal connection to that um, where his his family was affected. But, um, you know, he goes above and beyond to fundraise and do whatever he can uh, for St. Jude. And, you know, again, no one is asking him to do this. He just do, he just does this freely and gives his time. Yeah. Which is just so cool to hear some of those things. And I'm glad right. that we can capture some of those stories and really Definitely. push them out there. It's just, I know there's more out there from all of, all of our chapters and colonies. And, and I, I really just, I urge you guys as members um, to please let us know what you're doing. Send that information in um, because we want to know, we want to know those things. Yes. This is a shameless plug for the yep. CNC. Communication at lambdakai.org. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I guess, you know, the next question is what makes us different? than other organizations. Why do you guys think that it's so important for a man of Lambda Chi Alpha to be out there in the, in this world? Sure. I mean, thinking about us compared to other organizations, I think we at a general fraternity level are very interested in what is our next step. We're mm-hmm. having these conversations right. and uh, you know, we, we have the ability and resources to make, positive change. Um, I think that that's something that we've considered over the past, I don't know how many years, but as an industry, what, what is the next step? And we as a general fraternity really want to figure that out. So, um, being able to discuss that with chapters, with members, with our grand high Zeta, with our staff and figure out how, where do we go from here? We are open to that. And I think that really is setting us up for success. And, you know, I mean, I, I'm not sure, from the general member, if that's something that they've even considered or thought about, but maybe this is the time to start having these conversations and right. figure out what, cause I think honestly, not to go too much back on that question, but there's not too many things that we can 100% say is different from Lambda Chi Alpha than any other fraternity. We talk about brotherhood. We talk about values. Sure. We talk about ritual. We talk about traditions. Every other organization has that. But when I think about what makes us different is kind of the future and the, uh, you know, ability that we have to actually make changes. Yeah. And I think we're set up for that right now. Right. Definitely. And I would quickly build on that because I was going to say the exact same thing. Um, I, I think a cop-out answer would, would be to say that uh, we're Lambda Chi Alpha, that we have a ritual, things like that. Um, I think the one thing that would make us different and that should make us different is the way that our men act every single day. Yeah. The way that they hold themselves higher than than what you would expect of a man and, and, and do all of those things. I think that's what makes our our membership different. Yeah. yeah. And I think what, what I hope for is, is that we, what we aspire to is that, um, this level of commitment and accountability, uh, transcends from not only the grand Isaiah and the staff, but down to every member. And so like, every member is committed, uh, to ensuring that we're holding our brothers accountable. Every member is committed to securing the future for Lambda Chi Alpha. Um, I think a lot of people join fraternity because it's something to be a part of something bigger than yourself, that mm-hmm. you, um, you know, your beliefs and what you want to do and your dreams and hopes uh, coincide with everyone, you know, a group of people's um, beliefs and hopes as well. And so, you know, I think we just, we need to capture that and we need people, um, you know, even on the local level, like this, you know, just general member level, we need people that are committed to securing our future. Um, 
by committing to hold each other accountable. And I think that's what's going to separate us from um, other fraternities, other organizations in general, is that, you know, if we are able to do this, if we are able to get everyone onto that level, uh, I believe our future will be secure uh, because people right. will be able to see the differences in in kind of how we operate as an organization and the type of men that come out of our organization. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I think that we've brought up a lot of good points in this conversation. Um, so I'm going to ask if there are any, you know, final comments or, or anything that, you know, we haven't talked about that you guys would like to bring up. Uh, I guess my one final comment is just that I, I think that from, on behalf of our staff, I, you know, we believe in Lambda Chi Alpha and, and everything that we're doing. And I know, a lot of times there's a lot of challenging conversations, whether it's over probation or a crisis management incident or uh, what so have you. But I think ultimately everyone is here because we believe in the mission of the organization and we believe that this is relevant and that it is necessary. Um, and I think, you know, what I think of an ideal leader or someone that I want to follow, um, that is someone that has the values of, of Lambda Chi Alpha. And I think, you know, looking at our world right now, I mean, I think this is something that's necessary. We need this. People are yearning, I think, for a leader of character, a leader of values, um, someone that's going to, you know, have some integrity in everything that they do. And so that is that is something I think, you know, we need not only right now, but in 10 years, 20 years. And so uh, I think the beautiful thing about Lambda Chi Alpha is we are constantly building this. And so there may be some, you know, brother right now who's, you know, sitting in his dorm room studying or, you know, they, he potentially could be president later. Or he could be, you know, CEO of a hospital or he could be the doctor that cures cancer. And, um, you know, I know those are very like lofty and idealistic goals, but like, you know, these are things that I think our men are capable of because of the environment that we create uh, with our brotherhood. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. And I would say for kind of a final comment, just talking about relevancy and all that, I think kind of ties back. I had hit on this earlier, but as, as Lambda Chi Alpha, we really just need to figure out what it truly is our purpose. And mm -hmm. it kind of goes back to like practice what you preach. And I think that's not just something for us as an organization, but each individual chapter, each individual executive committee, each individual member, even, you know, what truly is my reason and purpose for being in Lambda Chi Alpha. And then, you know, aligning everything that we do to that. Because I think it's very easy to just do it part of the time or do it some of the time or, you know, I, I don't, I don't want our members to think like you can't have fun. Like you can go out, you can drink alcohol, but do it responsibly, you know, like <laughs> yeah. and safely yeah, and exactly. under laws and policies. But, you know, um, really what is our purpose and how is every action that we are taking led by that purpose? Yeah, for sure. And when we make a mistake, own it mm -hmm. and figure out how do we avoid it in the future and then learn from it rather than just pass it off, let it continue to happen again, go down the wrong path, because that's not what Lambda Guy is about, in my opinion. Right. Um, so I think we really need to start having a lot of these deeper conversations and figure that out. Yeah, definitely. You good to go, Mike? I'm good to go. All right. Well, thank you again so much, Chris and Justin, for being here. Um, I think that this is a really, really good conversation to have and, and one that I hope that we can continue Definitely. to have. So, Taylor, I was wanting to try something new, a new little segment here on the Chop Talk podcast. Okay. Um, I want it to be like a fact off. 
Um, so I, I know that we all did a lot of research uh, when we were talking about the, these last two topics. For so sure. um, I think it's now time to have a fact off. So let's go. My first fact is at the average public institution, Greek life can run you more than $1,000 per semester. Did you know that? I did not know that, but it makes a lot of sense. If, yeah. I, if I would add up my uh, undergraduate <laughs> experience, I know I, I probably spent quite a bit of money. Yeah. Um, but I didn't pay for my friends. I paid for wonderful experiences. Oh, that's so sweet. Yeah. So here, here's my fact. Okay. Um, so Ruth Bader Ginsburg, mm-hmm. the Supreme Court justice. Yes. Um, she was in a sorority at, she was an Alpha Epsilon Phi at Cornell. And she was also oh. a Phi Beta uh, Kappa at New York University. Interesting. Okay. Um, so in 1993, when she became, she became the first sorority woman appointed to the Supreme Court by Bill Clinton. Wow. Yeah. That's super interesting. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. I didn't know that. Okay. Um, so then my next fact is currently more than 9 million alumni of fraternities and sororities are in the workforce today. That, that, that's a lot. I know. That's what I thought. That's, that, that's, a, that's, that's a big number. That's pretty crazy. <laughs> Here's a here's a fun one for everyone. Ooh, okay. Um, so what what does Indiana Jones, Han Solo, and Jack Ryan all have in common? Um, I don't know. Besides the fact that they're all played by Harrison Ford, true. Um, he was also a member of Sigma Nu fraternity. Really? Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah. Wow, that's exciting. I'll have to remember that next time I'm watching Indiana Jones. Yeah, just just think about fraternities the whole time. I will. <laughs> all right. <laughs> okay, so. This one's kind of uh, a little more serious, okay, okay. but I thought it was um, important to to say. At least one death from hazing happens per year, and this has been happening since 1959 on North American campuses. Wow. Yeah. That's that's a kind of a staggering statistic there. It really is. It's kind of scary when you think about it. Yeah, that's, that's a lot. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'll, I'll kind of brighten it up a little bit with a okay, different thank fact. You. <laughs> a U.S. government study showed that 70% of those who participate in Greek life graduate, uh-huh. while on the other hand, just 50% of non-members graduate. Interesting. So it's almost a, t- a 20% increase right, as far as right. graduation rates for fraternity men, or fraternity, huh. sorry, Greek life individuals versus non-Greek life individuals. Okay. So I guess it, it pays to be in Greek life. That, that, that's kind of what I'm, I'm getting from I it. guess. Okay. Yeah. Um, okay. So this is my last fact. Um, so 80% of U.S. presidents since 1900 have been Greek. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's, that's a lot. I know. I, that's kind of I, a little shocking to me. I know. That's I, what I thought too. I didn't but expect the, the executive office to have that many uh, Greek members in it. I know, but apparently it does. Hmm. So, okay, so I'll, I'll wrap up with another okay. uh, government-style statistic. 63% of U.S. cabinet ministers since 1900 have been fraternity members. Hmm. The number of U.S. Supreme Court justices since 1910 is even higher at 85%. Wow. Same with 76% of U.S. senators and 85% of Fortune 500 executives. Hmm. So if you like going back to our conversation, like just looking at the opportunities that fraternities and sororities provide for its members, I think the statistics show that yeah. since 1900, 1910, we're talking well over 50% right. of them were in some side, some sort of Greek member organization, which I think is really cool. It is. It is. I mean, you think about all, all that has happened since, you know, 1900 yeah. um, and all of the big decisions that our country has made. Um, and it sounds like a lot of them have included members of Greek life. Uh, yeah. Which is really cool. Definitely. 
And so the way that we're going to wrap up this, uh, this quick little segment here is our uh, assistant to the executive producer, Jaron Wilt, is actually going to um, be the judge and tell us who wins this fact off today. Oh, I'm excited. He doesn't have a microphone, but um, he's going to shout very loud on yes. who he thinks the winner is. Okay, Jaron. So uh, we're going to have to go with uh, Mike on this one. Woo! Oh, yeah. Just missed it. And we're going to be keeping track of this on Dang. the uh, Chop Talk podcast website. Um, and so each week we're going to... Uh, Keep track of who wins the fact off and maybe there'll be some co cool little prize or something at the end of this. Oh, I like this. I know, right? Well, congratulations, well, Mike. thank you. On this one. Thank you. I'm going to get you next one. Yeah. And so once again, we want to thank all of you for joining us on the Chop Talk podcast. On behalf of Jaron, Taylor, and myself, I want to say thank you guys very much. Yes. Thank you as always for listening. Um, you make this a possibility for us. And, uh, you know, as we say every time, if there's something that you want us to talk about or hear us talk about, uh, let us know, you know, comment, like, share, whatever you want to do. Um, definitely. We're here to service you guys. So you let us yeah. know what you want to hear and, and we'll definitely talk about it. For sure. So thank you again so much and we'll see you next time.